you're in for a special treat. My good friend, Anthony Myers, is going to be bringing the word today. And, and, and Anthony is one of these guys, you know, he's got, he's got a heart for pastors. He's got a heart for our city. And he's lived everywhere. Like, you grew up in, on the east, in the east, in Brooklyn. Grew up in Brooklyn and then moved to Texas, Right? So St. Louis brings a little bit of Brooklyn and a little bit of Texas together. Uh, and he moved to St. Louis not, you know, a, a few years ago. Um, he's the, he's the uh, pastor of uh, community outreach at The Crossing. But he's, he's worn a lot of different hats. One of the hats, he's been, he's been head of a college. Uh, but one of the hats that I, I like the most, that's most intriguing to me, is for 13 years he was on staff with uh, T.D. Jakes at the Potter's House. So I said, man, I, I need some stories. We need, we need some stories, you know. Um, but he's a really good friend of mine. He's been a, 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 good, uh, a good person for me. Pastors need friends. You know, pastors need friends. They need other, other pastors they can talk to and, you know, and, 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 and vent. No, it's not venting. It's, uh, it's uh, exhorting, discussing. It's, it's disgusting. Um, you know, and uh, so, so he's been that, that for me. And I, I appreciate his friendship. I appreciate his heart. I appreciate his family. His wife, Marilyn, is here with him today. And uh, his daughters, uh, Marche and Alexis, were here at the first service. And his mom was here. And his niece was here. So he had, he had uh, some support. So um, would you just do me the honor of giving him a warm round of applause and honoring Anthony Myers as he comes and brings a word. Amen. Well, good morning. Your pastor is the man. <clears throat> um, I, I, I've been in ministry almost 20 years, and I've traveled the country, places around the world, and I've met a lot of pastors. And, and many pastors are pastors for the church, and they love the church, and they love the church. Your pastor is a pastor for the kingdom. Amen. That, that he has this, you can applaud <clears throat> He has a vision for for. for this community, we're in some meetings together, and, and when I was getting to know him, he would say this word all the time, and I'm like, I need to figure out where this place is, you city, you city, you city, stop saying it. <laughs> and then I had to come one Sunday, and I sat over there, I was like, I got it, I got it. So uh, thank you to he, his wife, Rebecca, uh, um, they are, are, are truly uh, pioneers uh, in the kingdom. It is my, my task, my duty, my, my honor today to serve, um, to serve Christ, the living Christ. The Bible said, let everything that have breath praise you, the Lord. Breathe in, breathe out. The Bible said, let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. Breathe in, breathe out. Maybe you haven't gotten it yet. Let everything that have breath, praise ye the Lord. You know, today, there we go. We ought to do three things today. We ought to laugh, we ought to learn, and we ought to act. That's what I'm going to do, okay? Um, I get this opportunity to do this, to, to stand before you, not because I'm so special, but because God loves me, and I know he loves me. This, I know he loves me or he feels sorry for me. <laughs> because he is giving me a queen that I've been with for almost 27 years, my wife, Marilyn, so I know he loves me. <laughs> or he feels sorry for me. 
So let's have fun. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, this opportunity, this moment that you give us uh, to get closer to you, to remove every distraction that we may have, every hindrance, every obstacle that stands between us and you. Let these words be your words. Let these thoughts be your thoughts. Let this opportunity be you getting next to your people, guiding and directing them, bringing them close to you. And we're thankful in advance of that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How many of you out here are, are pet people? Who's, who's got pets? Pets. Now, I know some people say they have pets. They have like a hamster or a gerbil or fish or snakes. Those are pets, I guess. But I'm talking about real pets, cats and dogs. Where are people like that? No, I'm talking about real pets, dogs. Okay. Ooh, I'm making enemies already. Now, I'm an animal lover. I am. And we've had animals. At one point, we had five dogs, two parrots, and a cat. So there you go. And, and I've always been a dog person, always had dogs, trained dogs, loved dogs. And it seems like during my lifetime, I had more than one dog. So right now we have three dogs and a parrot. And so one of our dogs is my daughter's dog. It's a little pomapoo. It's about this big, and it bounces all around the house. It runs, it yells, it screams, it yips, it yaps, everything. Pomapoo. His name is Tigger, straight out of Winnie the Pooh. That's who he is. And then we have these two other creatures that live in our house. They are massive creatures that live in the largest of the breed. We have two Great Danes. And when I say that, this is where they stand right here. About 150 pounds apiece, Great Danes. So every morning, they want to go outside and go to the bathroom. Dogs want to do that every once in a while. And I figure as big as you are, you ought to be able to do it for yourself, but they won't because that just has not worked out too well. And so... In the morning, because laying in the bed, when they decide to, to say hello, they're right here. So you have to get up and deal with them. And, and so what happens is we go downstairs. And going down to the basement, we have a huge fence in the backyard. We're going to let them out. And we have this conversation going downstairs. And we're talking to each other as we, as we go downstairs. And I'm talking to them, and they are talking to me. Cool. We are talking to them, and, I, and they're talking to me. And I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me. And we're going downstairs. And as we get downstairs, we're going to the sliding glass doors. And let me tell you about these two dogs. Our dogs live a good life. No, they live a great life. Best food, air conditioning. When they lay on the floor, you don't say move. You walk around them or over them, and they don't even budge. They look like what? And so that's who they are, this good life. So we're at the back door. And I'm about to open the door, and I realize I need to move out the way. And I open the door, and they're waiting for me to say something. See, we've played this game since they were puppies. And it's not just what they do, it's who they are right now. And I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me, and they're like, we ready. And I say one word. Go! And they just take off. Whoosh! Whoosh! They run out into the backyard like, like greyhounds chasing a rabbit or maybe a cheetah chasing prey. And they are gone. This, this, this happiness, this joy, this reckless abandon, they are out there. It is awesome. And I watch that, and I say, I wish I had that. I wish I could just wake up in the morning just, I'm ready, let's go. And it doesn't always work that way. I just says, I want that reckless abandon. And I think, that go, I want that. I want that ability just to go. But I think that's what Christ was trying to tell us. No, not exactly about being like Great Danes, but, but the go. 
Mark the 16th chapter, 15th verse. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says something to them that, that, that blew my mind. And the more I dig into it, I realize Christ was serious about this. And he said unto them, go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a big go. He goes on and says some other things, but that's a big go. Let me paint the picture for you of what, what has been happening. Jesus has been persecuted, chased. They're hunting for him. He then is prosecuted and deemed to be guilty. He is then crucified. Horrible death. Placed in a tomb. And at this point, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, are on their way because they want to go anoint him. And, and they're having this conversation. Mary Magdalene has been there on this journey with Christ. She was there when he was crucified. She has seen this. So she's heartbroken. What do we do? It's the Easter story. They get to the tomb, and he is not there. They get to the tomb, and off to the right, there is someone in, in a white robe. And he says, it's the Jesus that you seek, the Jesus of, of Nazareth. He is gone. He is risen. He, he is risen indeed. And they are afraid, astonished, shocked, but afraid. He says, be not afraid. And then he tells them to go do something. Go find the disciples and Peter. I love that part. Because Peter is, is, is one of the disciples that when Jesus had to go do something, Peter, James, and John, come with me. They knew him. They knew relationship with him. But it got to a point where he said, when it comes crunch time, you're not going to know me. Oh, Lord, I would never do that. He said, oh, yeah, you will. He said, find the disciples and Peter. They will meet in Galilee. So these two women leave, and they are terrified in leaving. I wonder what that conversation is like. Where are we going to go? What are we going to say? Who's going to believe us? But we're going to go to the disciples and tell them. So now, Jesus, 11 disciples, because Judas has met his own fate. And Jesus is sitting there. And you think that Jesus would come in and say, I'm back. All is well. It's good. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to go back to that town. And those that crucified me, those that talked about us, those that did all the outlandish things about us, we, we're going to go get them. I'm going to tell my father we're going to show up. He doesn't say that. He doesn't look at him and say, you know what? I know this has been a traumatic experience for you. Why don't you take some days off? Relax on the sea, get a massage, because I don't want you to be too overwhelmed by what you have seen here of late. He doesn't say that. He recognizes that he has spent time with them, he has taught them, he has guided them, he has directed them, he has prepared them. He, he says in, in John the 14th chapter, Verily I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Well, at this point, he's gone to the Father. Now it's on them. And he says, go. Oh, that's a big word. Go ye. And if you're trying to understand who are the ye, we the ye. Turn to the neighbor and say, you the ye. Yeah, we are the ye he was talking about. Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to Every creature. I don't like every creature. I don't like some people. Some days I don't like me. 
You ever had to preach to yourself? Okay. He says, go. There is something about that go is, that we have an issue with. There's something about that go that becomes a stumbling block for us because we have perceptions of others he's sending us to go. There are times that we don't necessarily agree with other people. They have opposing views and thoughts and opinions. But he says, go nonetheless. There's a thing called implicit cognition, which means that there is something that we grow and we understand. And because we have experiences in life, those experiences lead us to an unconscious thought pattern of how we perceive others. So, so there was in, in, in about 1690, there was a guy named Descartes. He, he was this philosopher, and he, he talked about this. But one of his contemporaries said, it's not just, you know, that, that implicit cognition is implicit learning, that they learn this. So that means if you can learn something, you can relearn something. But this unconscious thought pattern that we have towards others can be a hindrance. Here in St. Louis, um, there are times where there's some people that don't get along. I've been in the city at times, and there is one group, and they look at another group, and they look with great disdain, great frustration at them. They look at them and say, because I am better than you. And there is a distrust there. There's a pointing of fingers there. And they do it quite often to anybody who comes that is not like them. It happens at this place that they say is a little bit lower than heaven, Bush Stadium. Oh, what did you think I was talking about? Okay. And, and so they are Cardinal fans. And when they say other fans come in town, they look at them like, who are you? We are the St. Louis Cardinals. And they say it with a righteous indignation and arrogance about it. And if you're a Cubs fan and you come to town, they really look at you. Here of late, the Cubs fans come in town with World Series champions. They're like, we don't care. You see these banners up here? You're dead. One in a hundred years. Oh, happy for you. What is it about that when we see somebody from a distance, we automatically don't like them? What is it about that, that, that implicit, what we call now, bias that we have towards them that I know your story just when I see you? Because that's what hinders the go. That's what stops the go. I would go, but you know how they are. I know, I, I, can, I see, I know their story. Before I ask the question, I know the answer. Christ said, no, 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 I need you to go. This reckless abandon without concern, without question, go. Because we ought to be the ones, the church, the Christians, that don't have the agenda to go. Kind of go like a child. Free and aimless, without a care. Don't care what you think, they just go. Where my office uh, is or was it at this point in time, um, on, for our weekend services, I could see our staff entrance. And one of our staff members would come in, one of her daughters, usually her youngest daughter, and every week they come in, we'd speak. So the first time I saw this little girl, she had a little, she was probably about four-ish, four years old or so. She had a, a, a princess outfit on. And let me tell you up front, I am horrible with names, so just know that. So when she shows up, I was like, okay, I know all these kids. She's a princess. I say, hey, little Miss Princess. She says, hey, high five, she goes. Next week, she's wearing something. Little polka dots. Hey, little Miss Polka Dot, high five, she goes. Every week. For months, we do this. 
we have a relationship. If I'm not in my office, she will find me. Bust up and say, hey. And I say, hey, little Miss Stripes. And she says, hey, high five. Somewhere around the age of five, she decided, I'm going to start dressing myself. Now, you know how kids decide to dress themselves. They, they show up in, in, in August. They got a turtleneck on, shorts, cowboy boots, and a hat. And they're like, I'm ready. And you just say, just get in the car. Just get in the car. Let's, let's just go. I talked to her mother yesterday, and she was in a store with her mother yesterday. She's seven years old now. And she's in the store, and she's got a unicorn band around her head, some outfit she decided to wear, and she's standing in line with her mother singing a song that nobody knows. And I'm like, there you go. That's her. So every time I see a polar bear, and so here's where it switched. I would say to her what I saw. Now she looks at herself and says, call me Miss Polar Bear. Hello, Miss Polar Bear. And she just bounces away. She'd come in. Blue unicorn. Call me Miss Blue Unicorn. Hey, Miss Blue Unicorn. And she bounces away. So on this Sunday, I'm standing in our lobby. It's in between services. And from a distance, I see her. And I know what's about to happen. Now let me say this. I work at a predominantly white church. Not bad. It's, it's all cool. No, no dramas. But if you didn't notice, I'm black. I, I found out this morning. Good. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Okay. And so, and so that's the environment I'm standing in. I'm standing in a group of people. Just good morning. How are you doing? What happens in your lobby here? And I see her from a distance. Sh show her picture up here. This is her. Don't let that picture right there fool you. This is who's coming my way. Okay. And I see her from a distance, and she's bouncing this way, and it's like slow motion because I know what's about to happen. And she gets closer and closer, and, and because she comes to church every weekend, the church is hers, not ours. And I know she's going to bust in the middle of the circle, look at me and say, hey, call me Miss Whatever, because we have a relationship like that. So when I see her, she's about 50 feet away, 20 feet away, 10 feet away. And I'm looking the whole time, because I'm looking at what she's wearing. She's got black boots on, black pants on, and a black shirt on. And I know what's about to happen. And she busts in the middle of the circle and says, call me little black girl. Hey, little black girl. And she just bounces and walks away. Now, I could have let the people in the circle off. I really could have. I just said... Enjoy service this morning. Have a great day. And I just walked away. <laughs> what is it about that reckless abandon that allowed her to do that? We had relationship. She wasn't concerned about the people around her. She was worried about relationship. That's a go mentality. Jesus says, says something about that. He says in Mark 10th chapter, let the children, the little children coming to me, do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So how do we do that? How do we step into somebody's life like that? Where we're not concerned about anything else. We're concerned about relationship with him. That was his thing. The disciples were like, get these little kids out. He said, uh-uh. Because they didn't come with an agenda. They came just because he was Christ. They weren't worried about, I don't want to be seen with him. Yeah, I do. He's Christ. Because of relationship what is that? We get perplexed by making a decision, confounded by our situation, and sometimes we're just stunted in our growth because we don't know what to do. He said, go ye. We to ye.
but how then do I go? Paul taught us and began writing about what that go mentality is, and he speaks about one word. And that one word is truly the nature of who Christ himself is. That one word is love. Paul, who was, who was once a persecu- persecutor of Christians, is this prolific writer about Christ. This Paul who was shipwrecked and betrayed, imprisoned, you would think he would talk about something else, but he doesn't. He talks about this one thing. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, he talks about one word. He says love. And I encourage you, read this over and over again, because when he talks about this, this is a mind-blowing type of love. He says, love is patient. Okay, I got that. Love is kind. I got that. It, it doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Whew, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm almost with you there. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. That's a lot of love. That's a lot of love. It is not easily angered. Where are my angry people out here? Raise your hands up in here, you angry people. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Take a breath on that one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. And here's what gets me. He doesn't say sometimes love. He doesn't say quite often love. He doesn't say when it's convenient love. He doesn't say when you talk to people that you like love. He doesn't say when there are people that think like you, walk like you, vote like you, live like you. He says when they don't think like you, don't walk like you, don't vote like you, don't live like you. It says always. And I just slow down when I read this. It says always protects. Always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love. That is the type of love that Christ said, I died for. He said, that's the type of love I leave you with. That's the type of love it takes to go and serve the kingdom. So what if that's how we saw everything through that filter of Christ's love? Because we want Christ to look at us that way, don't we? We want him to look at us that way. That means we have to look at others through this filter, if you will, of Christ. This is my city now. I moved here from Dallas, but St. Louis is my city. What if we look at our city through the grid of love and peace and hope and joy through the grid of Christ? What if that's the way we looked at our city? What if that's the way we looked at each other? That I'm not looking at you by what I see, I'm looking at you through the filter of Christ because that's the way I want him to look at me. As broken, as frail, as, as wretched as we can be, Christ, look at me that way. Wouldn't it change everything if you looked at the city differently? What about the people in your house if you looked at them that way? Through the grid of love, that always love. How many have been married more than 10 years? More than 15 years? More than 20 years? Marriage is intentional. And it takes this to stay married. It's love. It's peace. It's hope. It's joy. It's Jesus. I was in Africa last year in Sierra Leone, and 
It's a nation that's been torn apart by war. In a room with pastors who all love Jesus and trying to do kingdom things. And I was talking about what it would be like to, to look at each other differently. And it sounds good, but when you see one man standing here, one standing here, and their parents and relatives have killed each other, it's hard. I, I, I see you, but I, I'm not sure I can really trust you something deep down because I see you. And I said, what if you had to see them through the grid of Christ? So I can't look at their past. I can't look at who they are. I have to look at what Christ sees in them, but I got to first look at what Christ sees in me. I look at them through the grid of love. I love you always, regardless. A peace that surpasses understanding. Of a hope for this world and a joy that confounds the mind. Ultimately, through the grid, that filter of Jesus Christ. That means I see you differently. For me, to see you with anger and frustration means I have to go around Christ and point a finger. That means I'm out of place. Let me come back this way. I will see you differently. So we talked about, we laughed. Hopefully we learned. Now here's how we act. What if you started using this grid today? Maybe you start using that grid right in your own house, on your drive home with the person sitting across from you. And instead of having an attitude, you look at them and you say, I see Christ, and that's how I'm going to act. How many of you work in a place where some people at work just get on your ever-loving best side? So y'all raise your hands. You saw, get on your ever-loving last nerves. They just do. Their purpose in life is to irritate you. She got both hands up back there. What if when you went to work tomorrow, you looked at them through a different filter? You saw the love and peace of Christ, and instead of looking like, oh, you're here again? You say, hey, how you doing? How about some coffee? What's your story? Because if you're in the workplace and you're looking at people and you're saying, oh, they get on my nerves, somebody behind you is saying that about you. Just know it. Wouldn't you want them to look at you through the grid of Christ and say, oh, wait a minute, I need to see them differently. That's how we need to act if we're truly going to be the Christians that Christ said, go ye. We the ye. He said, go. And I need you to see people like I see people. Beyond race and culture. Way beyond what high school did you go to. Way beyond that. Way beyond whether you're city or county. Where'd you go to college? Where do you work? What's on your business card? None of that matters to Christ. All of us have a story. When was the last time you met somebody and said, hey, Tell me your story. And you just listened. And you looked through that filter of Christ and saw love and peace and hope and compassion and everything in them. You might treat them differently. You might find a friend. This is my charge to you today. Take off that filter of fear, frustration, cynicism, and put on that filter of Christ. That's what the two Marys did when they went to that tomb and when they left to find the disciples. Because what it says they were, they were afraid. What, what conquered their fear was their love and relationship with Jesus. What will conquer your fear from meeting new people, crossing that line, getting into hard and difficult conversations. It will conquer your fear because you have a love for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day, this opportunity, this moment. These are your people, Lord, and they are precious to you. Give us the strength, the might, the wisdom, the willpower today 
to see people differently. Let us move from our implicit biases, our perceptions, the boxes we put people in and allow us the opportunity to see them differently. See our city differently. That we look with love, with peace, with hope, with joy, with Christ. That when people see us coming, that's how we show up and they're glad to see us because it's not going to be about us. It's not with an agenda. It's not with, with anything, but it's always love. So when we wake up, we go in love. When we go to work, we go in love. When we're at home, we go in love because that's what Christ commanded us to do. We thank you today. We praise you today. And we, your servants, your children, will leave this place today. Never your presence, but we will go.